My name's Rob Howes. This is the SLAS Discovery Podcast. Welcome to the SLAS Discovery Podcast. Today we're joined by Meredith Davis-Gardner and Mike Farzan from the Scripps Research Institute in Florida. We're going to be discussing their paper on screening for drugs that inhibit the protease activity of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that's appearing in the upcoming special issue on drug discovery for COVID-19. Hi, Meredith and Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Sure. I am Meredith. Um, I completed this work during my postdoc in Mike Farzian's lab at Scripps. Um, I recently just moved actually to Emory, where I'm now staff scientist, continuing to work on SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Um, but I have a, my, got my PhD in virology from Harvard, um, and I focused on um, the host cell interaction with viruses for most of my research career. And I'm Mike Farzan. I'm a professor at Scripps, and I think what I mostly did was provide uh, an environment in which Meredith could flourish. That's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, so your paper's entitled High Throughput Screening for Drugs that Inhibit Papain-like Protease in SARS-CoV-2. So obviously this is an important area to work in, given the emergence of the COVID-9 pandemic over the past year. So can you tell us about the problem that you were trying to address? Yeah, so um, we started working on this actually back in January. Um, I actually looked back at my calendar. I ordered all of these uh, plasmids on January 28th. So um, we were trying to get kind of a jump start on all of this as it was becoming to um, it was becoming clear that it was a, going to be a global problem. Um, and because of what we've seen, you know, within the last um, 10 months, um, it takes a long time to develop. Uh, novel drugs and vaccines that can treat these viruses, even though we know a lot about them from other coronavirus um, and all the research that's gone on. So we um, collaborated with Caliber, which is affiliated with Scripps, and they have this library called the Reframe Library of all of these drugs that have been through trials um, or are already FDA approved. So we were hoping to find something that we could um, use directly rather than having to develop a new drug uh, from the beginning. Okay, that's great. So why would inhibiting the function of the PL pro protease be beneficial in SARS treatment? So uh, coronaviruses are very large viruses. They encode um, upwards of 20 different proteins, some of which are structural, some are non-structural, and some are accessory proteins. It's got a very complicated um, genome structure and all these different proteins. Um, but the main proteins that drive replication are the, the non-structural proteins, the NSPs, and these are encoded in a long um, polyprotein that has to be cleaved in order for the individual proteins to be functional. And there are two different proteases that do this, the papain-like protease, which is what we focused on here, um, which cleaves NSP1, 2, and 3. Um, and then there's the, um, and it's encoded in NSP3, actually, so it cleaves itself. Um, and then there's the 3CL pro or the M pro um, two different names for the same protein that cleaves a lot of the other um, proteins. And so that's considered kind of like the main protease, but the PL pro is very important for not only cleaving these first three proteins that are involved in replication, but also it antagonizes the immune system by cleaving different signaling molecules. And so we were hoping that we could find something that would not only limit replication of the virus, but could also limit some of this immune pathology that you see during infection. And how does that differ to some of the other treatments that have been developed? 
So the main one that's in the news, of course, is remdesivir. And this is actually um, an inhibitor of the polymerase complex. So it's a different, uh, completely different enzyme. Um, that's the one that is going to replicate the RNA and make all the mRNAs. Um, it works by, um, as a chain terminator. So it like basically prevents um, extension of the replication. Um, whereas we were looking at something that would affect at the protein level, the cleavage of these proteins. Great. So can you tell us a bit about the assay that you developed to screen further PL pro inhibitors? Sure. So we took um, this assay uh, from the literature. There were some other um, papers that had looked at both um, picornaviruses as well as uh, coronaviruses at their different proteases. Um, it's a pretty neat reporter, I think. Um, so it's got a luciferase uh, readout. It's basically split in half and flipped around so that it can't uh, form the active enzyme of luciferase. So you don't have any activity um, until the linker is cleaved in between the two portions. So once that's cleaved, then it's able to um, basically undergo conformational changes and then it can act as luciferase. And we were particularly interested in doing this type of reporter because it can be done in a cell-based system. A lot of the sort of biochemical screens that have done um, look only at the enzyme in solution. And that really misses a lot of the cytotoxicity that you can see with some of these compounds. And so we wanted to do at the same time green for cytotoxicity and activity against the, the protease. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of the libraries that you were screening, you said that you screened approximately kind of 15,000 either clinical or approved drugs. So why did you choose those? That was basically, um, uh, maybe Mike can speak more to this about our uh, collaboration with Caliber and the, the library that they have available so, for us. That's right. So Ca Caliber in collaboration with the Gates Foundation has established this library of compounds that have already made it through at least phase one clinical trial. So they've all been established to be safe in one way or the other, but many of them did not uh, follow through for phase two or phase three for other reasons. But the beautiful thing about them is this set of uh, compounds is that we uh, think that uh, that they are going to be safe in humans. So that's an, an, a very useful hurdle to surpass um, uh, as we get hit, hits within this compound, within this library. So can you tell us about the results of the screen? Sure. Um, so I have to say, unfortunately, we didn't get any like home run hits here. Uh, we were able to identify a few compounds that had activity in the screen and then furthermore um, had activity when we confirmed them on a smaller, um, I guess, yeah, smaller scale experiments, larger scale as far as cells um, from the screen. Um, and so we got a few hits. Um, the, the four main ones that we followed up on were bleomycin, R457, uh, Rho kinase inhibitor, and Rapacidil. Um, and the one that really looked like very good activity was bleomycin. Unfortunately, it had a really um, major cytotoxicity effect. And then the R457 R, uh, also had um, some, it looked more, um, specific to the coronavirus proteases. So it didn't have any effect on the HIV protease, which we used as a negative control, um, but it also had some cytotoxicity issues in our follow-up assay, um, in, in the cell-based assays. And then um, also with some other collaborators in the chemistry department, they did some cell-free assays. Um, and there we didn't really see any direct effect of these inhibitors on the enzyme. Um, it's very possible that they're doing something within the cell that is still altering the ability of, of the PL-PRO to cleave its targets. Um, and you know that's something that 
would be useful to follow up on. I think you've said you've answered my question. I think yeah, what, what would yeah what would you like to do with this work in the future? Yeah, so I think there have been a few really interesting papers that have come out looking at like proteomic screens of like all of the different regulated proteins that are in infected cells. There are some some issues with them as far as cell type and everything is concerned, but. Um, there was one that identified a whole bunch of different kinases that are um, either upregulated or downregulated. Um, and um, seeing that we got some kinase inhibitor hits here, it would be interesting to sort of follow up on pathways there and see what's going on. And what about doing larger drug screens as well? Do you think that's something that would be worthwhile? I think so, yeah. There have been um, some groups that are more chemistry-based, I would say, than, than at least we, Mike and I are, um, uh, have actually developed novel inhibitors, like done the actual chemistry and, and developed these things through synthesis. And some of those seem pretty promising, at least in tissue culture. I don't think any of them have been in in vivo models yet, um, but there's definitely um, other sorts, so a lot of the, the compounds in this reframe library are uh, chemotherapeutic drugs um, against cancer. And so not all of them necessarily are going to be expected to have an effect on a protease. So looking at more of a protease specific library might be good. Um, it does get down to the issue of you really want something that is specific to the viral protease and not going to hit any host proteases. Um, but that's definitely, if we had a, a better, larger library of those, then you could sort of know it down and maybe do some um, compound optimization. How different are the uh, viral proteases to any of the human proteases? Just thinking about the libraries, obviously, like you say, most are probably targeted against human proteins. So therefore, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be limited. So what sort of identity do you get between viral and human proteases? I know that there are some um, fairly specific inhibitors for some of the viral, uh, uh, at least for the PL Pro, there's been one that um, was recently described that doesn't seem to hit any other um, host proteases. Um, however, I'm not sure um, on percentages how identical they are. A lot of these things, you know, they do tend to have at least the active site is very, very conserved among the different classes um, in particular. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure on the precise homology. It might be a good opportunity to talk about your MPRO screen too as well and, and the results from that. Uh, yeah, so we did um, kind of in parallel against the, the other protease of, of the coronaviruses. And we got, again, not any really home runs, but we do have um, one compound that we're following up on looking at some different analogs um, mm -hmm. for, for that. So that's still ongoing, really spearheaded by the chemistry department now. Okay, that's great. So they're looking at near neighbor compounds, things that are related mm -hmm. to see if they get structure activity relationships. Yeah. That sounds really exciting. Great. Well, thank you for thank you both for joining us. Um, it's been great to have you on and we'll look forward to the paper coming out in the special issue in December. Great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.